everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. That's me. I'm Steve. That's right. You're Steve. Today we are talking Sleazeland by Cody Goodfellow. It's a novella published by Eraserhead Press or forthcoming. I know. It's another Eraserhead Press. Yeah, they we've been getting our heads erased. They seem to be our publisher. Oh, the minute. Yeah. It happens like that sometimes. But before we get into Cody Goodfellow, we have to issue an apology oh. uh, to to Sean Thompson. Not we, Scott Thompson. Not Scott Thompson. The, the portrayer of Buddy and many other fine characters on the kids in the hall. <laughs> so <laughs> I, Sean, yeah, not, Sean, we know we know you'll answer to it, but we're sorry for calling you Scott Thompson. Yeah, it's my fault. I must have had like Canadian sketch comedy on my mind. Yeah. As I and, often do. And I just follow along with the lead because, you know, I. Right. Because because Sean's my buddy. Right. <laughs> He's a fellow mass hole. And we, we have hung out on a few occasions. Yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> great. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Scott. <laughs> All so right. Now let's uh, read this book by Kadri Goodfellow. Cadre Goodfellow. <laughs> if Sleazeland were an egg, it would be both hard-boiled and scrambled at the same time. Except it would also be shoved up the rear end of a chicken. Yeah, probably. And I say that in a very affectionate way. Mm-hmm. What what Cody brings to the table is the tale of a homeless actor. We're not going to reveal the identity of the actor. Yeah. Because that's a major turning point in the story. Dun, dun. There you go. That's the closest thing you're going to get to a real spoiler. It's shocker. It's it's, shocker. It is a shocker. He is at the point in his career where he will accept anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean anything. Look at the title of the book um, in order to make a buck. Right. Right. Uh, he loves doing like background work. Just so he can get to the commissary table, right? Um, he uh, has professionally waited in line to get on to um, talk, talk shows, sets. Yep, he's got he's got the whole thing down where he can con his. He's pretty much like like the old school private detective who just kind of does whatever, and a, a really like working actor uh, who and a bit of a con man. Because the professional waiting in line, he's he's a professional topic. Well, his whole his whole philosophy is acting as a big con anyway, mm-hmm. um, and he's just at a point in his in his career where um, it's it's more apparent that it's a con, right? It's a it's a con. It, it's said many times throughout the story um, that that acting is just you know pretending to use a to use emotions you don't have. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, to, to use emotions you don't have and to make yourself believe mm-hmm. in what you're doing, which is a key point in the, I guess, the mechanics of the plot. Right. And this actor falls into a strange situation where he travels to multiple parallel timelines, never really traveling in space but sliding through dimensions. Yeah, it's 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 reminiscent in in a lot of ways. And I keep on coming back to um, Dick because I, I think Dick has a, a really big impact on um, current 
science fiction fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a lot like now, fuck the TV show, but the, the novel, um, The Man in the High Castle, right. where one one of the, the, the biggest points is, is um, the main character will catch glimpses of an alternate reality where the Japanese and, and the uh, Third Reich have not taken over the world. And it's not quite our, our world. It's an alternate reality where what they are experiencing as their reality um, is part of a book. Mm-hmm. And this is very similar where he jumps realities and they're all part of they're very similar to fantasies that he has. Right. But he doesn't really have fantasies. He has pitches. Yes. Yeah. He has story pitches. Right. And he just jumps back and forth. And it's a, kind of a chicken and egg situation. You don't know whether the pitches come first or the pitches are the result of the traveling to these parallel universes. Mm-hmm. And he has no control over it. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very, I guess, another similar well this is more time than dimension but like billy pilgrim mm-hmm. in slaughterhouse five where he's he's become unstuck and at any given moment he's in dresden or he's um you know he's back at the barracks or or whatever or in in you know 20 years after the war and it's kind of a similar situation just he'll be driving in a car and and it'll cut and i'll talk about these pitches that he has mm-hmm. And then after the you get the pitch, the reality he's in is kind of the reality of the pitch. Right. Sometimes. 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 Early, early on, we get a couple of pitches that don't really come into play till later. Right. But it's it's like you said, it's random. It's not it's 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 very it's it's very well done. Right. And and it all it all leads somewhere. So it's not random in that sense. But to put yourself in in the shoes of the of the character yeah it's 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 random and it's jarring and and really it's confusing and he handles it re- really well where um in in less capable hands i think um it would be a hot mess right for for any i i think for a lot of writers that aren't cody goodfellow um you know who you are and you know who you are uh <laughs> i was pointing at myself <laughs> dark in here i can't see it it would be that for 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 a lesser writer this this type of this type of story mechanic and it really is kind of a mechanic would be a disaster yeah it would just be like like steve said a hot mess uh you would just would not be able to keep track of it but yeah cody does a really good job at balancing the wackiness of it all with with keeping that story coherent and i and i believe that what makes that happen is the fact that the main character is addressing the reader directly mm-hmm. the entire time i think i think that and you mentioned the wackiness because it is wacky mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's situations that shouldn't be ridiculous that end up being ridiculous yes um kidnapping <laughs> for right. example just to pull something out of the hat Kidnapping at gunpoint should not be a wacky situation, mm-hmm. um, but it is. And there's a few people that can pull that off really well. Um, Cody, uh, you know, like Mel Brooks could do it. Right. But uh, 
You know, would you right. want would you want um, Tom Cruise playing that role? No, it would suck. It would be horrible. And and he he really handles that well. And and I don't I don't think this works without um, that that wackiness. Mm-hmm. And I think had we've we've read a bunch of of Cody's um, short stories um, mm-hmm. in the process of doing this show. And while this is nothing like the horror that you're normally used to. Um, which is over the top in and of itself. I remember the one from Caligari with like the fetish Nazi puppets. Yes. It, it has the same wackiness that you see in his other works that we, that we've read. Um, but it's not a horror uh, book this time. It's more of a, of a sci-fi kind of a book. Right. Right. It's kind of a, kind of a, it's really hard to say because it firmly falls into that bizarro category, which really, defies categorization into um, any one particular genre because yeah, like you say, it is kind of sci-fi because it deals with parallel universes, Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of horror because we're following along with, with this guy, but it's also got a noir vibe. It's got right. Just, you know, well, like you said, it's, it's hard boiled, but also scrambled. Right. Which is great. Now, one thing we will say that it is not, necessarily comedy no and and none of the bizarro things we've read are really comedic they're more wacky um over the top um using that that just ridiculous um extreme to to make a point right they're they're more bordering on the absurd yeah um and and the two on the nose statement of it being just bizarre yeah i mean it's definitely aptly <laughs> But I really enjoyed the flow of it because, yeah, it does jar, but it's still it's 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 like a Schrodinger's cat in a book. It's so many things at once that it's jarring, but yet it flows smooth like creamy peanut butter. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the but it sticks to the roof of your mouth (laughs) like crunchy. This is one of the books that we've read that I don't. Feel, I'm not saying that we've read things that are a chore, but sometimes mm-hmm. when you have to read something, for me, I, I don't want to. Right. Because it, it's work. It becomes work. And then, you know, you want to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that I didn't feel that way. Um, I, I, you know, look forward to sitting down and and, and, and reading it. Right. Breezing. It's, it's also very short. What is it like? Yeah, it's like 170 pages all told. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's not that long, and and it, it reads really well. And I will say, maybe because, and I haven't read any of of Cody's other long form works. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because he has more time to stretch things out and let things simmer, it actually um, reads smoother than um, his his short stories. I think maybe with the short stories, he has to pack a lot into a shorter space. So he's filling it. Right. And, well, and here um, it's more, you know, he, he's, he's letting it breathe a little bit. Like um, it's, this is going to sound weird, but it's like the difference between um, a Steely Dan song mm-hmm. and a Miles Davis song. Steely Dan, it's, you know, two, three minute song. It's over maybe a little longer, but they're, they're not epics. Right. Right. But with Steely Dan, you get a lot in, in a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Miles Davis, 
it stretches. You, you get, yeah, you get like the head and you get that theme, but then he, then everyone has a chance to, to, to explore that theme and to, you know, do variations on that theme and mm-hmm. talk to each other and, and stretch it out. And, and it's, it's a much easier thing to listen to. Right. Well, you know, we say, we say that the, it, it's expanded in, in the story has room to breathe and and it's stretched out but make no mistake there's not an ounce of fat on this story there's no, that's not a section that is purely filler that's and why you I have that a lot davis. right <laughs> right because miles davis even silence is part of the song motherfucker and and you see that a lot with a lot with longer works is that there's usually some type of filler mm-hmm. uh trying to pad either the word count or the page count um or to work something that didn't quite work to kind of like fuse two sections together. Right. Something like that. And and that's obvious filler. This story beginning to end uh, definitely, you know, shows Cody's skill at mm-hmm. writing because like, like, like you said, it breathes, it's plenty of room to grow and move and it evolves over the course of the read, but it is also, very tight narrative. It, it is. And something like this you would think would not lend itself to be a linear narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does it really well. I mean, there's definitely a point A, point B all the way down. Right. Um, even though on the surface, it's kind of disguised as maybe like a uh, cut up novel mm-hmm. in a way. Um, you could see where where if you take something like uh, Naked Lunch or Wild Boys, where, you know, well, with Naked Lunch, it was like he wrote it, and then the pages were, the legend is the pages were scattered in, like, his uh, filthy flat, and Ginsburg um, found it and and shuffled it all together and tried to make sense of it, but, you know, who knows? Right. And so it's all just vignettes out of order, which led to cutting up pages and pasting them together and blah, blah, blah where you get a something that may have at one point been a linear narrative, but then it just became um, piecemeal. Mm-hmm. And there's value in that. This is like kind of the opposite where he, it, it has that feel. It definitely has that like beat Burroughs beat feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the subject matter. So, I mean, some of the stuff is pretty explicit and some of the stuff is about as explicit as you'd find in naked lunch. Right. Um, and it's got that vibe, but what it doesn't have is that confusion. Mm-hmm. And, right. and you know, to me, you know, I, I'm a I'm a fan of Burroughs, and and I and I see the value in that. But it is jarring to read that and 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 try and, and put together a narrative in a story where here you definitely get that narrative. It um, you get all the all the sleaze, right? Right. And 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 n- none of the the. Um, the mechanical work mm-hmm. that you and, that you have with Burroughs. Right. And speaking and speaking of the sleaze, this is another story where the city of Los Angeles itself, Hollywood, all that area, really is a character of its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh and while I was after I finished this, I picked up um I was telling you before the show that I had picked up uh Chandler Big Sleep at the library and just thinking about that Cody's Los Angeles and Chandler's 
Los Angeles are two entirely different animals. Uh, you have Chandler. Chandler's LA is all, everyone is sexy. You know, everybody's got nice cars. I mean, even the, even the Sleezos have nice clothes, nice cars, cool haircuts, and they're all that good stuff. Sleezland, none of these people are, are, are sexy. Even, even the sexy ones are not sexy. Well, even like in, in like Chandler, where you have uh, everyone has a secret, and mm-hmm. you know, and the the PI, the Marlows, are their job is to suss it out and find it, and and their secrets are are grimy, mm-hmm. and and they're dark sometimes. But in 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 this, everyone they don't have a secret, and if it is a secret, it's an open secret. It's Clark Kent is Superman kind of secret, right? And it's all like just sleazy, <laughs> right. for lack of a better. Right. Word. Everything. Everything is sleazy. Everything's the fucking Hotel California in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't suggested for mature readers. Yes, definitely suggested for mature readers. It's not something you give to your junior high student. It's not young adult. No, here, uh, Logan. Why don't you read this for your, <laughs> for your uh, seventh grade essay? There you go. Dear Mr. Rosen, Child Protective Services would like to talk to you. Would like to, would like to uh, evaluate your thoughts on children's literature. But yeah, I'm not sure when this book releases. Um, I've seen the cover. I know that Cody has posted the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's a... Uh, have you seen it? No, I have not cover. seen the cover. Okay, yeah, the cover is a uh, kind of a graffiti drawing of a, of a penis. Cockballs, Natch. So, yeah. So, and it totally fits because it's not like it's 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 like the Mars rover version, right? <laughs> it's really, I mean, it, it's very apt. I don't know when 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 it, it's coming out. I know it's coming out soon. He just um, he just started distributing the, the um, arcs, mm-hmm. so um, I know he's probably it's it's going to be coming soon. It's definitely something you want to just in time for the holiday season. Now, now we said this is the beginning of the year when we read uh, Molly Tanzer, but uh, we're going to say this again. This is probably, and maybe we should think about doing this for later on in the year. But this is this is one of the must-haves, I think, of twenty. What year are we in? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd agree. Um, I'm I'm a better person for having read it. Uh, that's not really saying a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> It changed my life. Still, seriously, though, in all seriousness, this, yeah, this would make uh, my list of a five must-haves for 2018. Yeah, just as an aside, um, Cody is a great writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't got to meet him yet, but I hear he's a great guy as well. I I, See, that's what I was getting to. I met him... At, at the last Necronomicon, I was on my way to go um, to run Call of Cthulhu. And I saw him outside the Biltmore. And I had just talked to, well, Down Darker Trails had just dropped. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cody had written one of the better stories in the um, in the Western. Uh, Edge of Sundown. Edge of Sundown. And so that they were both in my mind. And randomly walked up to him and he doesn't know who I am. And I bet he doesn't even remember this conversation, 
But uh, I, I was saying, you know, down darker trails, blah, 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 Call of Cthulhu. Um, you should approach Chaosium about just doing a book of weird Western. And mm. he, you know, he humored me, but he was nice about it the entire time. <laughs> he wasn't like, yeah, yeah, kid. All right, all right, good. Here's, here's a quarter. Go on. Go on. <laughs> here's a quarter, kid. Get the fuck out of my face. Which is what I was expecting. And it, it was it was nice because you know you don't get that a lot. Yeah, people want to sell their stuff, but I wasn't buying anything. I was randomly walking up to you while you I had other things to be. Uh, Cody, when you if and when you hear this, thank you. Um, you're a mensch. So says Steve. There you go. And that's about all the time we have for today. So once again, Sleazeland, check it out as soon as it hits shelves. Buy it, yep. love it, let it let it ooze into your brain. Let it change your life. Let it stick to the roof of your mouth like peanut butter. Let and it give you 30 luck points. Let it give you 30 luck points because you'll need to keep them. Yeah, you will. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>